You're listening to Two on One, our special sub pod, God's Favorite Idiots, where we talk about the Netflix show God's Favorite Idiot. And we discuss theology, pop culture, our lives, and what is happening now. I am your co-host, the Reverend Arthur Stewart. I'm your other co-host, Reverend Stephanie Kendall. Arthur, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Hey, uh, I'm glad we're recording these, and we're doing them a little bit like all over the place during the summer, but we're putting them out consistently, right? Yeah, we are. So... I was at Aders camp in Kansas City, Missouri, and Aders is a comprehensive sex education camp for incoming freshmen. Our keynoters were Lara Blackwood Pickrell and her husband, Chuck Pickrell. And I said, hey, guys, you're wearing stoles. And Chuck said, yeah, I have this Jeff One Row stole, and I lost my mind. And Lara said she loved our discount code, and they love Jeff One Row. Um, who doesn't? Who doesn't love Jeff One Row? Uh, you may I not know that I- oh, I'm sorry. Yes. No, keep going. I'm going to tell you some trivia that I bet will surprise you. For 17 was- years, Jeff Wonro Designs has been making ordinary time extraordinary by creating and crafting liturgical textiles ranging from stoles to pyramids to altar accessories to banners to liturgical face masks in all kinds of varieties, denominational flavors, and colors. Um, I love that. I. I, I think most people know I haven't stopped wearing my face mask uh, it just over the last couple of years. I, it's just become a part of me. Uh, and I love that, Jeff, uh, I love that they're just still out there and necessary. I mean, it's on the rise. COVID's on the rise again. Like, wear your mask. Wear your Jeff One Row mask. Uh, and do it with your matching stool. Faith leadership, t- you know, takes a lot. And it's about what we do on the inside. But it's also about how we look on the outside sometimes. It's really easy to forget that just a, a quick rainbow or a quick, you know, whatever on your, on your personhood tells a lot about your theology. A mask tells a lot about your theology. Um, and Jeff Wonrow has some incredibly sound and thoughtful theology uh, for not only his company, but for those it serves like us. Absolutely. Uh, no matter what you're saying, you're ultimately saying something about God. So why not look fabulous doing it? And a reminder to your friends, we are closer to Advent than we were the last time you checked in. So Advent is coming. Go to jeffwonrow.com, J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W.com and uh, check out the catalog uh, of stoles, pyramids, altar accessories, banners. You can customize options. You can use our discount code at checkout, 21115. Two on one is letters, one five are digits uh, for 15% off your entire stole order. Yes, you can. Uh, and I know lots of people are doing it. I know lots of people are, we're uh, still in that ordination season. We're still in, uh, we're in a new call season. This is the time where lots of people are going into new calls, first calls, things like that. What better way to celebrate than to give them a Jeff one row stool so they don't look like God's favorite idiot. Hey, you know what? That's a great, that's a great transition. I'm just going to leave it there, but you should leave it there at jeffonerow.com after this show. Okay. So let's talk about episode three of God's favorite idiot. I'm in, like I'm into this show now. I, the first couple episodes, I think we both were like, I think (laughs) it's hard for faith people, people of faith, particularly faith leaders to buy into God stuff, like uh, theological God stuff that's presented as God stuff uh, more quickly because we're so critical of it because it's our it's our wheelhouse. Um, you know, I had that moment where I was like, am I not enjoying this because I think I can do it better? Because it's, that's, literally, that's what I think. This sounds so horrible. It's what I think when I go to weddings that I'm not officiating. I am absolutely like, ah, 
could have done that a little bit better, couldn't I? Every time oh. I'm like, she's not property. We don't offer who get we don't give people. And oh, there's there's a lot in those types of vision sucks. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Okay, so I think this show is obviously written by people who aren't theologically engaged. Right. Um, in this there, there's a lot of stereotypes that are coming through on this. There's some Perhaps this is in response to evangelical Christianity or popular evangelical Christianity in part. This also isn't necessarily a Christian show. They've made no mention of Jesus Christ whatsoever. No, I I do believe that that's coming, but uh, maybe not. Uh, I, yeah, I love that this is not a Christian. This is a show about lay leadership um, (laughs) in ways that I think that the church could really use. It's a reminder that all of us are called into community to serve God in lots of different ways, because I think that Amelie still, maybe my favorite name of all time, uh, is, is there to help Clark, but she is, she is, I think she's actually God's favorite idiot. I think it gets a call to say like, look at this mess over here, but Look at how she helped bring about what was what was said into the path. Um, she's someone that we would all have written off, like well, in lots just, of. Just in case, there, in case there was any hope of not writing her off, can we talk about the fact that she was wearing a Budweiser shirt with a vest over it? I loved the Budweiser. <laughs> It was so good. Well, and she, you know, she's open about who she is. I think that there's something to all of that, right? You, the, you first meet her in episode one, and she's like, "I did a little bit of, you know, drugs last night." Okay, I did a lot of bit of drugs all week, and she's just like, "It's fine. It doesn't change the truth that she is trying to bring forward, which is Clark is glowing." Um, <laughs> but I think that she, you know, I think that this show and this episode in particular has a lot to say about those that we are in community with. Um, and how i don't know it's like a gifts of the spirit sort of a thing it's like it's, we it, all have it community is dangerous because community requires vulnerability and authenticity and transparency and all of those things can get you hurt yeah um so but and one of those things about huh? <laughs> is that a little too serious no i think it's fine uh but i one of the things that i wanted to bring up because i thought it was both I thought it was hysterical and I think it's the crux of this episode so I want to pose a question to you but I loved one of the things we learned in episode three is that frisbee is an angel yes and like wild like I did not uh, anticipate frisbee being an angel uh part in part I think because frisbee is a kind of, yeah he's a torture like, he's a secondary character like you're not really kind of trying to pay attention to him uh you are absolutely invited into making fun of him. Uh, it's episode one. And they find out he's an angel. And where I really like these characters is that they're still very much uh, themselves because after they find out, they still don't care. They're still busting on him and they're still like, uh. And, and he's, not, he's not an archangel. He's, no. he's lower middle management. <laughs> Even in heaven. He's a, uh, what is it? A bureaucrat. He's a, uh, oh, there's the fun German term. I can't remember. Thanks, COVID brain from a long time ago. But right, he's a paper pusher. Yeah. Uh, I think in episode four, they say, I wish you would do actual work rather than filling out papers about doing work. (laughs) Um, Uh, That might uh, still be episode three. Um, Tune in to two on ones, episode four. 
God's favorite idiot season four next episode next week. Uh, but no, so I was wondering though, because again, it's Frisbee someone that they've just ragged on, not in like a super, eh, it's kind of mean. I, I was going to say not in the real mean way, but it is, it's mean, it's malicious. It's, it's, it's intentionally. It's, it's the way. So it's like with family guy. I, I don't like family guy. Never have. And they are absolutely just malicious towards Meg. And there's a lot of like really misogynistic. It's one of the reasons I don't like the show, but like Meg is just treated horribly. And it's a, like, I, I'm not a fan of malicious comedy because it's kind of punching down. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a resilience to Frisbee because they're punching down and he's just like, you know, shut off. Everybody shut off your ringers. She sh- um, uh, Amelie says, putting on a sleep mask and Frisbee goes oh, five minute break, everybody. And turns off the lights. I know he well. It, it, it's a it's a both punching up and punching down because he is also their boss, which is yeah. So there it, it disrupts the power dynamic there that I do appreciate. Okay. But it made me think. Um, so who is someone in your life that you are really hoping isn't an angel <laughs> or directly tied to God? Uh, because we all have them. You know, I don't. I'm going to tell you a story from my church in Dallas. Um, okay. I served a church in Dallas. I, I'll just say it. It's Midway Hills Church. Hi, <laughs> yeah. Midway Hills. Uh, Midway next Hills. door to Midway Hills on the south side is the Da Vinci School. And it's this, you know, gold lead, green certified, kind of hippy dippy, but also in North Dallas. So very hoity toity uh, day school. And we had this tree bush thing on our property and it had branches that, hung down and we discovered somebody was living under the tree but we discovered it because he or she would push their defecate and their empties under the fence onto the da vinci school playground sure so what bothered me is we didn't say how can we be more hospitable like how can we maybe approach this person and say can we install a portage on for you can we put a trash can by the tree and see what happens Sure. Can we do something that I just walk out one day to them uh, cutting all of the tree branches off so that this like tent essentially that was made was yeah. gone. Yeah. And I, I was told later, I, I got so mad about that, but apparently what I said was if that man is Jesus Christ, I'm going to be extremely pissed off. Uh, so I don't, I mean, you know, hospitality, we have, right. We have to entertain angels among us. And I know Jesus wasn't an angel, but it's a, what what if like everyone has the capacity to be angelic and you know that yeah. wasn't as specific as I think we <laughs> meant to be in the story. No, that's okay. I think uh, honestly, I think my mom would be one that I'd be really like, oh god, because everyone wants to be like, my mom's an angel. Like uh, I love my mom so deeply, so dearly. Like I just I do. Uh, but we are so much alike that we often hit heads. There's you know, like, there's, there's a lot of challenges in our relationship too. Uh, and I'm grateful for them because they teach me things. I'm grateful for her. I love, like, like I said, I love her deeply. Uh, but if one day she was just like, I'm working for God, I would be like, uh, <laughs> uh, this is a, uh, an interesting relationship that I have with the divine. <laughs> so, I didn't know parents were on cue. Yeah, I think anybody, if they're like, oh, wait, I've said horrible things to an angel because they're my parents. Yeah, 
I, I think that's all of us. My mom is moving in shortly, just as a total side note. So, I mean, so be kind to her and in hopes that she is not a middle management angel. So for God. I, I had a boss at uh, right before I moved to Texas. I worked at um, a sheet music and instrument rental store. And it was amazing because I didn't really need the job. I just needed something to do before I went to seminary. And I got to work with my best friend at the time, uh, who's now just this brilliant composer out in New York. I really wish you guys would hang out, side note. Um, And my boss was the most chill person I've ever met in my life. He was a shorter man, so I called him Short Stack, and he just thought it was funny. Um, he, He was only particular about what music played when the store was open. But he also just kind of had burnt out to the point where, like, he was just chill. He was getting ready to sell the store. He was fine. People would come in late. People wouldn't come in. He'd just make it happen because he was done. So that's my question on the angelic. Do you notice that all of the divine characters that are on the side of quote on the side with scare quotes of good mm-hmm. don't take everything as seriously as we do? Yes. And I think that that's my my thing going back just to my mom really quick. like my mom's an Enneagram seven. My mom's entire life is fun. You're so um, with Huh? You're so lucky. I am. I have a great, I had a great, I have a, she's still alive. Yeah, she's in Alaska. Hey mom. Um, I have a great fun mom, but I'm not always so fun. I take things way more serious and that's where we clash. And I wonder, I think that that's why she came to mind on these kind of on this angel thing. Right. Cause if God keeps sending us people to be like, trust the children, they're silly and fun. You know what I mean? Like in all of those things, like, and we write off the fun as I often do with, my mom's needs for fun, um, which I will own. Um, what does that do to who we are as connected people to the divine and to each other? And so I just think I, I was like, ah, crap. What if, my, what if my mom, what if this entire life is supposed to be not taken so seriously? Well, it's, so I might, I might have a, you know, between you and my husband, who's a three, I have a lot of thoughts about the three, seven dynamic sure. because like y'all keep me grounded, not in the good or the bad, but just in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my job is to be like, but who's afraid of the tickle monster? I mean, I wouldn't actually tickle you. I think that would ruin our friendship. You'd get punched in the face. Right. And, yeah. But it's also a, so maybe that's part of it. Like, what does it mean to play? Um, and in the, the the line is well there's a line in this episode that says it feels good to laugh and it's like maybe that's the prayer i thought you know like maybe for those of us taking ourselves so seriously laughter is the prayer that god seeks from from the church maybe it's actually i like that laughter is part of it it's we i don't think the church laments well we do not grieve well we do not name like that side of it i also think we don't laugh well it's irreverence and irreverence is not necessarily an unholy thing because when we take things especially our faith too seriously we become like the preacher that who was introduced in episode three or as i like to call him buzzkill christianity i i saw that one my worst nightmare is to open a sauna and have an evangelical <laughs> mega ch- church pastor, um, like televangelist, sitting in, <laughs> in full suit. 
with my dad half naked. <laughs> <laughs> my nightmare. <laughs> um, like I don't like to be hot anyway. Like I, the, whole, the whole thing was just like, oh god. The righteous don't sweat. <laughs> they don't because they, uh, they don't know how to detoxify themselves uh what i made me uh, cube. you're welcome people watching on video <laughs> spit take almost um yeah i mean could you imagine evangelist but like that's what's funny about it right like that that the evangelical nature of our work calls us to show up in people's saunas i don't think so it's a it's it's a fascinating thing because the the motivation behind this preacher, of course, is that he's trying to protect his flock. Yeah, but from what? That's that, that is, and that's always that, the question. It's it, it it's that it's that amazing thing of um I I have friends who are recovering, I'll, I'll just say recovering cat uh, Christians. Excuse me. Sure. Like they lost their faith, but they still love parts of it. They engaged me on it in such a way. My a, a friend of mine texted me on Sunday morning at eight o'clock. I texted him back, "Why are you up so early on a Sunday? You're not going to church today, are you, sinner?" As a joke, sure. and he wrote back, "It doesn't matter. Sin isn't real." But he's somebody I've done improv with, and I've been like, "So in denial in improv is sin. It's 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 harmful behavior that disrupts the work of the community." Uh, it it denies the intrinsic value of what we're doing together. And he wrote back, stop it, you're making sense. And then we talked about like how like sin is a tear in the fabric, so sin isn't actually anything, and that's the whole point of it. Um, but he was shielded from this kind of thing, right? So sin was a red mark on the ledger that made God hate him. And it that's it. That's the only way he was taught about it. And the Bible was the fourth person of the Trinity. And if the King James was good enough for Jesus, it was good enough for him. So it's a, it's it, protecting people from what? I mean, isn't that the, the thousand dollar question? Um, yeah. I mean, I think because even in the one, I really like that Clark still is not like, I'm a Christian, right? Like we, we actually don't know what God, we assume this is a Christian God. Have we been given that information? It was just like God. We've right. been given we've been given pointers towards an archangel, which we know biblically, like we can place in timelines, but we have not been told there has been no Jesus. So is Clark quotes Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in the first or second episode. Right. Um but they're also reading the Vinya, uh the Vidya. The, what is it? The uh Hindu texts. Yeah, well, but, they're reading lots of texts, and so we don't actually I mean, we can guess it's Christian, he's Christian in nature. Um because he starts quoting Christian scriptures and summarizing and, um, and translating them for people. Um, but uh, I like that. It's not like, look at me, look at, I am chosen, you know, like there is, there is, I don't know if fear is the right word, but cause he kind of just goes along with it, but there is a, in a disbelief even of his own ties to God, even even when he's glowing, like even, you know, he glows once and he's like, uh, but then he does that intentional glow and it's really, uh, it, it affects everyone. There's a whole, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh my goodness. And even he stops it and he's still just Clark. Um, there's humility there that I think is a part of 
his, <laughs> what I called earlier, his ordination journey, because I think he is in his uh, youth minister phase. <laughs> I think episode three, he's not even in his youth. May, oh, no, he is because of the s'mores thing. 100%. I think you, you immediately meet him and he's handing out flyers that says Faith S'more, and which I, I'm i kind of bummed that I'd never thought about that. Like every church needs a s'mores night. I love a good s'more. I, I love that. Uh, I love the subgenre of tweets where people will take what is popular and then they'll be like, you know, you know who else used to say a manual, a manual don't Jesus parents and whatever else in the youth pastor voice. And I know the youth pastor voice, you know it too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I love it. But uh, in thinking of all of that, you know, his kind of humility, what, how do we, how do we normalize miracles? Mm. Do you have an answer, Arthur Stewart? Microphone to you. Uh, Stephanie Kendall, I think humility and curiosity have to walk hand in hand. Mm. And one of the best things that's come out of our partnership was you developing the hermeneutic of curiosity. If I'm curious, it means I don't have the answers. And if I'm curious, ultimately, it means I'm not necessarily going to get the answers. I'm going to ask the questions. And there is change invoked simply in asking questions. Miracles, if if it is Jesus creates matter out of nothing to create bread and fish and everyone gets the same bread and the same fish and there's 5,000 men and innumerable women and children. 20 million children and women. I Great. Then it's, it's, a, it's so cut and dry and it only happens well, twice in Mark, but whatever if if the miracle is people see some people give and they're inspired in fact to share what they have and i'm sorry if there's women with children from the beginning of time maternal type people uh whatever their identity is in there they will have snacks in the diaper bag for their toddlers so it might have been a lot of goldfish crackers and uh apple sauce packets but we don't see, you know, I remember I, I, preaching on that one week. Somebody said, well, that's not a miracle. I said, sharing with strangers every time it happens, 100% of the time is a miracle. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I Yeah. I mean, I've had some, like a couple years ago, a couple, oh God, it's been 20, it's been 10, it's been a decade. I went blind. I was in an in-home accident where I lost my sight. And I like fully blind in my left eye, wore an eye patch for two years like a pirate. Um, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt for one second because I need our listeners to understand this. Spiff drops stories like Alexis Rose does on Chick Food. <laughs> and unless you hang out with her pretty consistently as I do, it might be jarring for her to just be like, yep, went blind 10 years ago for a while. So it's I'm okay sorry. if you're jarred by that. I'm going to continue to show up authentically, which is sometimes going to drop random. Um, <laughs> stories and you're, you're my favorite cute huge yacht oh thanks <laughs> um you're a lamborghini um I, but so no so i went blind and i now like fully could not see all of that and now i have 2020 vision in this eye it is a miracle that i was rushed to i was in surgery within an hour and a half of it happening like just so everything happened so quickly the right people were there like everything just happened and I, it is a miracle, but it is a miracle that I placed in the good hands of doctors in whom have studied and practiced a very long time. I, I guess that's like part of where I like 
conflate the two where it's like, it is still a miracle. And yet it's a miracle that these people have worked for. It's a miracle that these people have been given the gifts to do, which is why miracles take community um, and miracles take faith in community. It's that curiosity, right? Because community, Curiosity is at, at, at very minimum relational, regardless of if it's related to another person, a thing, whatever. Um, and so I think that we can lean more deeply into miracles if we lean more deeply into faith in community rather than faith in the unknown. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that because, because if it's unknown, it's unknowable. Right. And, and un- we like to think of like the ethers of God is like, oh, God is, uh, you know, we don't know. God. We know God, but we don't know God. Right. Like it's God as the unknown. But if we start to think of God as the known or what we know, or if, maybe if we, I'll reframe that. God is if the discover- start to focus, what? God is the discoverable and the rediscoverable. So do you not think that God is unknowable? Or do you think that there's only thing, do you think we know all things? Do you think it is possible that we know the entirety of God? No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, so then the thing I'd push back on, God is the knowable and discoverable, but also the unknown. Here, here's where Arthur and I would cycle and cycle around night after night. Right. God is just very, very big and more complex than we can imagine. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I, but I think the miracles are when we can lean into what we know about God and see that in the community and lean faithfully into each other as the parts of God that are known and are discoverable and often rediscoverable because even my doctor who my, who put my eye together, uh, Hey, Dr. Savar, um, the brothers Savar, um, who, (laughs) Side note, I mean, this is where you're like, ah, eh. I just, I came out of surgery and I opened my, I couldn't open my eye, but when I opened my good eye for the first time, I turned my head and I invited my surgeon to Palm Springs and called him Dr. Hottie Pants because I'm great under anesthesia. So here's hoping that Dr. Hottie Pants, which is now a nickname that his brothers call him because it's a family practice. And I was the jerk of a patient who just came out of surgery and coined it. Like here's hoping Dr. Savar is, Dr. Hottie Pants is not a middle management angel <laughs> that gets called consistently Dr. Hottie Pants. Okay. Uh, I need to tell you about my middle management angel when you're done with your story. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm just, cause that's sexual harassment. I did not mean it. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's, but you were, you were also out of your mind on drugs. 1000%. Uh, yep. And so, uh, but it's the miracle that they knew that they, they didn't know that my site would come back fully. Like they kept telling me I probably won't. Uh, but we did the things that they knew to do best and we did them consistently and we did them together and they listened to me because I cannot have this eyelid flipped. Uh, you know, like when you go to the, and, and I just told them, I was like, with my trauma, it makes me too anxious and I won't be able to sit for you. And they're like, okay, let's do this a different way even though the easier way was for, is to have them flip that lid. So and it's, so it's my anxiety helps me, my lack of anxiety helps me heal, which is them listening to me, which is me having faith in the knowable God in each of them as they perform this miracle of sight. 
And there it is. It's experience, it's skill, it's listening, it's community, it's participation. It's even using the hard edges that we have in order to define the boundaries in which we can participate. I like that. I'm ever going to say that I get to call. (laughs) You say that now, but, uh, you know. I'm a Jesus girl. I'm sorry. Hey, you know what? Uh, Paul also was a Jesus girl. So it's okay. Yeah, she was. (laughs) Uh, Okay, tell me your middle management story. The middle, no, the middle management angel was my godfather had a huge heart attack. He was in terrible health. They got him to the hospital. He was stabilized and he was turned down by numerous surgeons because they thought he was such a long shot. They didn't want to ruin their stats. Like you don't take a 3% case. Um, And as my godmother tells it, my godmother being the one who left the voicemail on my cell phone, uh, when I was at church, which was, hello, darling, there's nothing to worry about. Uh, your godfather's had a terrible heart attack and he's probably going to die. We're at this hospital. Please don't worry. So of course I get the voicemail and I'm like, I, I have to leave right now. Um, yeah. By the time I got there, a visiting surgeon with a very long last name had walked in, looked at the chart. He was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And just did it. And it, it shocked my godmother because he was like, she said, well, there's a risk. He goes, there's a risk to living too. And just like pushes him in, does the surgery. Godfather's still alive 20 years later. Oh, I love that. And, and I mean, I- yeah, the visiting surgeon uh-huh. left the next day. <gasps> we cannot track him down. Shamuel. Probably uh, visiting from heaven, Regency general. I love heaven, Regency general. I think that that, I, you know, to end this episode, because um, we're going a little bit longer, I think, on this episode, but that's okay, because when you like something, you can talk about it. I think the first couple episodes, not that we didn't like it, it took us a minute to get in, but now I'm like, I'm in. Uh, but I think that there, you know, Samuel coming up and saying, um, it's not that bad, and then they're being, okay, it could not be that bad, or is that next episode? I think that's that episode, so tune in next week friends for episode four because that's next week uh as i bring up again uh what does it mean to be uh just faithfully honest what does it mean to live a life of truth um and that even the angels sometimes don't do it uh i found to be very uh enjoyable yeah we'll talk about uh angels about diabology about satan and about why white wine is karen juice uh in our next episode a reminder that two on one and all of its manifestations is brought to you by jeff one designs you can go to jeff one or j-e-f-f-w-u-n-r-o-w.com how do you like that spelling shonda ja uh for the entire catalog of stoles no okay i just don't get it Shonda said once that uh, in an episode that it sounds like I never know how to spell it. Okay, sorry. This is your friendly reminder that Two on One and all of its manifestations is brought to you by Jeff One Row Designs, uh, celebrating 17 years of making ordinary time extraordinary with their liturgical textiles. Check out Jeff One Row, J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W.com for the entire catalog customization options and of course use our code 21115 at uh checkout for 15% off on behalf of 2 on 1 the, I'm one of God's favorite idiots Arthur Stewart I'm the other huh? Reverend 70 Kendall we're just uh listen I'm I think idiot is now a a term I strive for if, if it's called to be uh in community like Clark and Amelie Amelie good lord we'll see you next time folks 
Get more 2-on-1 at 2on1project.com.